Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Ride on Hollywood with Christian Toto, part of the Just the News Podcast Network. Sick of media bias infecting film reviews? Furious that too many stars insult your views? Ride on Hollywood has your back. Christian is an award-winning journalist, movie critic, and founder of HollywoodinToto.com, the right take on entertainment. Now here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to Ride on Hollywood, a proud member of the Just the News Podcast Network. This week's show is brought to you by Alec Baldwin's management team. Can you please tell him to shut his trap, please? We've tried so many times. Well, we're in peak awards season, which means the virtue signaling is coming in hot. We've already seen the brave and bold Independent Spirit Awards give Russian strongman Vladimir Putin some serious grief. And boy, did that change facts on the ground in a hurry. Did I mention that show was both brave and bold? And we'll soon endure even more of the same come Oscar night. That's March 27th. I'm going to put that down in your calendar. Star after star will shake their fist at all of society's ills, at least the ones that are approved by the Democratic Party to talk about. Now, how do we get here? How big are these egos in Hollywood to think that these gestures really matter and they have any kind of consequence? As a member of the press, I got to take some of the blame myself, although I wasn't directly involved. My, my profession was for sure. You know, reporters were helping spark this new reality. They keep asking the stars these big, important questions about big, important issues, and then they wave microphones and notepads in front of their faces, waiting for a response. Instead of discouraging folks who have no background in these topics, they're doing the opposite. And then they give them oodles of press along the way. Of course, they give them oodles of positive press if they pick the correct side of the argument. Press is glowing if they do just that. And which side of the which side of the things do you think that the stars are going to weigh in on again and again? It's pretty obvious. Now we're currently in another Oscar producer meltdown because they've been doing some meaningless tweaks to the actual ceremony, which goes in often well past three hours, at least three hours long. They've tried some tinkering behind the scenes. They're going to have some awards given out just prior. Then they'll edit them down a little bit to shave off some time. And I, I, I get the impulse for sure. But it's another rake-stepping moment for the Oscars. They've angered almost everyone in the community, and they don't like that what's going on. They want to give all those people all the attention they deserve. And they, listen, they've, they've worked hard, but they don't have the kind of awards where people will be tuning in, oh my gosh, who's going to win for best editing? It's just not the way things work. This is a show. It's show business. And I understand why they're doing it. But the bottom line is that these changes are just cosmetic. They will not change the rating situation at all. And of course, we know that because poll after poll says that's not the reason why people aren't tuning in. 
it's, you know, oh my gosh, a three-hour show that isn't three hours and four minutes? I'm in. Where, where do I sign? Now, if they wanted to get the show going again, get some interest, get some excitement, well, they wouldn't hire three hosts who lack the buzz and comic energy and gravitas of a Dave Chappelle, a Ricky Gervais, or even a Joe Rogan. Maybe Bill Burry can throw that in the pile. When you pick Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall, and, and most of the country is basically saying, who is Regina Hall again? That's a sign that you're completely out of touch. It, it's almost comical how far the Oscars have fallen in recent years. Uh, Seth Rogen had some comments a few weeks ago saying, why does anyone care about the Oscars? It's an industry event. Industry insiders should enjoy it. And hate to agree with Seth Rogen, but he's right. But, you know, I was the guy who set up Oscar pools around my friends when I was growing up. I was the guy who was yelling and screaming when my film didn't win Best Picture or the actor I wanted to win or actress I wanted to win didn't come up victorious. That was me. Now I dread Oscar night like a root canal appointment. But to be fair, my dentist really pumps in some cool 70s rock, so maybe that's an unfair comparison. Uh, the Oscar decline is sad for me, for sure. I'm a movie guy, but it's, you know, it's not alone in the culture. I should be watching spring training games right now. But millionaires and billionaires can barely arrange a meeting together, let alone settle their differences. That, that just drives me nuts. I can't believe they're doing it. But there you go. And of course, you have the CDC making these sweeping statements. And I just shrug, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I know what they told me a few months ago. It didn't make much sense. So I'm not sure what they're saying now is going to make much sense either. The media is so corrupt. I can't even go down that rabbit hole. That's, that's a, that's a, that deserves a podcast all its own. I think Stephen Miller does a great one. You can check out his, uh, his particular podcast. I think it's maybe Patreon or pay-based, but worth the effort because he's so good at deconstructing the media these days. But it, it does feel like we're losing our cultural institutions one by one. And, you know, you can look at the Oscars and you can laugh and you can kind of shrug your shoulders and say, well, you know, who cares? It's just the Oscars. But when Western culture can't even get that right... It's a canary in a very scary, very dark coal mine. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Right on Hollywood. What's the dial? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week's Toto's take is Shallow Hal. Yep, throw this one on the pile of movies you can no longer make. For that reason alone, it's worth rewatching. But it's not its only saving grace. Jack Black, who was not yet Jack Black at the time, but kind of a rising star, plays a horribly, altogether now, shallow guy who gets tricked into seeing women for their inner beauty, first and foremost. And you can thank Tony Robbins for that plot gimmick. He has an extended cameo in the film, and boy... You know, I met him years ago. He was a fascinating fellow to interview, but he's really good in this movie. You know, often when you have non-actors in these kind of comedy roles, they stand out like a sore thumb. It's so obvious they'd never done this before. He's actually pretty good. Now, Hal, the character played by Jack Black, is eventually meets Rosie, and she's Gwyneth Paltrow, who, of course, classes up the joint no matter when she's on screen. She's playing an obese woman, but who happens to be lovely and a kind person and does a lot of good for the world. And Hal can only see that lovely side of her, not the reality. Sparks fly, romance blooms, 
Then all of a sudden, Hal's jerk of a friend, yes, that's Seinfeld, it's Jason Alexander, in a pretty embarrassing wig, is trying to tell him that Rosie isn't who he thinks she is. Now, there were some big laughs, not many, not the usual Farrelly Brothers kind of level of laughter here, and this is one of their productions. It's more kind of amusing and, and interesting than anything else. It's also kind of smart in how it looks at dating tropes. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, men are attracted by beauty, often first and foremost. It's just the way things go. And women are intrigued by kindness and other things. Also, confidence. I was watching this movie with my son, and I talked to him about that. He's, he just turned 13, and he's not dating yet, but he needs to know that confidence really matters, and the women really appreciate it. So it's you know easier said than done, but still pretty meaty stuff for a comedy like this, you think. Now, of course, there are fat jokes. It's one of the key selling points of the movie initially, and they haven't gone away, haven't been excised over the, uh, from the woke mob's uh, you know, danger squads. But you know that kind of comedy is pretty much not available now. It's not permissible. And we can go back and forth. That's good. That's bad. I understand sort of it's a, a cheaper line of humor at the very least. But the film is saying something profound about dating and relationships and love. And those fat jokes, when they happen they eventually give way to something different. It's about empathy and understanding. It really is looking past sort of the ha-ha, someone isn't perfectly shaped, doesn't have the perfect uh, figure. But, you know, context is so 2001, right? 2001 is when this movie came out. And by that, and that time, we were allowed to have context. We could do something coarse and vulgar, but, you know, use it to tell a better story, a richer story. That's one of the reasons why I think this film's worth a second look. The, the third act goes on a bit too long for sure, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I like Jack Black's energy. He really is irrepressible here. But it's his transformation, which is worth watching. And you can do just that thanks to my favorite free movie app, Tubi. That's how I watched it. Well, I have to confess, Right on Hollywood takes a little bit more pleasure in some interviews than others and here's why. The artists that I'm talking about were ahead of the curve when it comes to the culture. They were telling us years ago that Andrew Breitbart was right. Politics is downstream of culture. Think folks like Andrew Clavin, a recent guest on this show. He's a great novelist, a wonderful podcaster, but he also been sounding the alarm about the culture for quite some time. And only recently have conservatives started to say, hey, I think that Clavin guy's got a point. But there's someone else here, Michael Loftus, a comedian, who's been doing something very similar for a while, too. And he's also taking some actions. It's not just words for him. He's been a key part of some right-leaning comedy tours, for example, like the Deplorables tour. He's also a driving force behind That Show Tonight, and you can find that at thatshowtonight.com. It's his answer to Saturday Night Live and its sad, predictable, partisan decline. Boy, do we need that, right? Now, Michael is a stand-up comedian, he's a sitcom writer, he's a podcaster, he does it all. And he's not just grousing about the culture, he's doing something about it. He's taking an active part in it. He's trying to change things. Those are all good measures, and he does it quite well. So let's welcome Michael Loftus to the show. Michael, it's great to talk to you again. Now, we just finished the first year of Team Biden. It's a, there's a lot of excitement in the air, of course, but from a comedic's point, comedian's point of view, how has it treated you? Is it, is it a, a cavalcade of, of material? Has it been frustrating? Uh, has it been a different kind of reaction from audiences when, you, when you're doing stand-up and other material? What's, what's, how do you kind of look back at this first year and say, that was what happened? It is a cavalcade of material, which is always wonderful. 
and then you just have to you have to ask yourself as a comic and you're up on stage like why how much longer can i make fun of joe biden <laughs> because there, there's that weird uh it, it's like uh the uncanny valley everybody has a good time until they realize how sad it is <laughs> Well, I, and I think I think the added uh, conflict here is that we're dealing with an older gentleman who really should be retired and and just enjoying his remaining years and and treating whatever situation he may be dealing with medically, and yet he's out in front leading the nation. I think that does that add an extra kind of wrinkle to it? The sort of a how how tough can you be when you've got a fellow who who may have not not quite be as sharp as he once was, and I'm putting that See, delicately. But that's just it. He's not he's not out there in front leading the nation. Someone is uh, is telling him go out there and say this. Just go do this. Just don't mess this up. Go do that's it. Feel that's what it feels like. It feels like, uh, but like someone's bossing him around, and and I think that's that might be what's happening because you notice how he, he always says says to the press. They'll get mad if I answer another one. So I got to walk. I got they'll get angry if I am like, who are they? Who's that? He's constantly <laughs> talking about these people who will get mad if he sticks around and answers questions. And uh, last night, oof, last night, the State of the Union address. How fast was he going? It's like <laughs> it's like they've got him on some kind of like Adderall or, or mental focus uh, medication. And boy, it was like a race to the finish line last night. He was he was stepping on his own applause breaks. When's the last time you saw when's the last time you saw a politician like stop people from applauding him? That was it was weird. It was really weird. And he had Nancy Pelosi behind him licking her chops and uh, Kamala Lala Ding Dong with a <laughs> 10,000 yard stare dressed up like a brown M&M. It just <laughs> it was too weird. I don't like any of it. I want it to be over. Yeah. You know, I, it seems pretty obvious that most comedians are standing down when it comes to Biden. Uh, you see it on late night TV. SNL can barely mention Biden's name. He's almost never in the opening uh, sketches that they have, which is kind of a focus of the show. Do you have any sense that may be changing soon? I mean, obviously, you know, you and, and some of your peers, uh, you know, go at it as you should because you're a comedian. But is there any sense that, it, that that might be changing, that there may be a softening in the ranks, that maybe more mainstream comics will turn to Biden as a source of humor? Or is it kind of full steam ahead? We need to protect him moving on. I, I think most comedians honestly are are afraid and and that's what cancel culture has has given us it's like it's like the rock stars look how fast the rock stars folded with this whole thing hey everybody wear a mask hey everybody get vaccinated and all of a sudden you had eric clapton and van morrison as like the only two kids in the room who were rebelling so this whole thing has been a great shakeout of in my opinion of, of who's a coward and who's not and uh, the people who aren't cowards are are are, are stepping forward. It, you got to be able to make fun of everything, and you can't be afraid, and you can't hold back, and you can't worry. Once you're on stage, and you're like, "Oh, should I tell this joke about Biden?" No, you, you've already lost. Yeah. So the cool thing is, uh, and this is what happens. This is capitalism. I'm involved in this this sketch comedy show called That Show Tonight, uh, and it's it's stand up, it's music. It's live skits, it's impersonations. For lack of a better term, it's it's like Saturday Night Live used to be. <laughs> and it's just wild to watch really great comics and talented comedic writers start coming out of the woodwork. 
because uh like you hear about it like and they're they're just hitting me up they're emailing they're calling hey can i do a thing and so uh it's 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 great it's a lot of fun i'm actually very uh optimistic about the future of comedy it's almost like an underground comedy network where they're kind of saying oh yes i can there's now an, there's now a voice for me i've got an avenue i've got a platform where i can tell yeah. the jokes i want to tell and that's, that's refreshing and, and that's what has to happen there yeah. has to be and, and it'll it'll hopefully it'll always happen you know but you look around the landscape and you're like it's amazing all the clubs that i've i've played for years and then uh you know, you, you call them up and you're like, hey, you know, thinking about swinging by in August or whatever, you're planning months out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? We we just uh, we're a little worried about the political. We don't we're not sure we want to <laughs> do political. Oh, oh, you're worried about political. I'm sure you were very worried about political when uh, when Trump was in office and, and every comedian and their mother uh, was telling Trump jokes. Oh, now political is a bad thing. So we've created our own space. We've created our own uh you know entity with with that show tonight where okay this will be this will be a safe harbor in the storm and i love it i love the vibe i love being on the outside i love being the underdog yeah it's uh it's cool it, <laughs> i've been I, here for a while <laughs> but now there's some wonderful things happening so i'm really digging it You've been spending some time on Gutfeld's couch, and I wanted to, maybe you could take us behind the scenes of the show a little bit. It's clearly shaking up TV. It's at or near the top of the late night landscape uh, quite a bit. It's it's conquered some of the existing shows in, in record time. Uh, just from your vantage point, having been part of it, uh, working with, with Greg, wh- what's your takeaway? I mean, I think there's the obvious, oh my gosh, there's finally a show that's leaning to the right. And and it hasn't been that, and of course that's that's a, a key reason for success. But what kind of maybe drill down a little bit more? What else is going on? You think that with the show? Well, first of all, Greg's like a super talented and interesting dude. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. The mm-hmm. show doesn't work with, without Gutfeld, and it's got that vibe. And I was, it's too funny because I was just at CPAC, you know, and I was talking about that show tonight, and the, and you know, comedy and yada yada, and had who was I? having this conversation with and then it hit me like the original the original tonight show with with like jack parr back in the day when johnny took over from that dude and he's like so what's the secret what should i do and jack parr said well here's the secret the audience should feel like they're at a a cocktail party Mm -hmm. and there's just there's just an interesting conversation going on and if and if you've got the correct guests it should just feel like a conversation at a cocktail party and the audience gets to listen in and most late night talk shows have gotten so far away from that. They're like this weird echo of something that used to be special and wonderful. Like no one's doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing. It's it's entertaining, I mm-hmm. guess, for its own reasons. But I think that's what the, that's the Gutfeld vibe. It's like he's and this is going to sound so hokey, <laughs> but it's like he's having a a little cocktail party or a little get together in his living room every night, you know, and cat, Oh, cat's going to be there. And Tyrus is going to be there. And Oh, wow. There's that, there's that guy that I like who, you know, writes for the newspaper and blah, blah. And you're just talking about the topics of the day. And I just think that formula, that format is not broken, obviously. And then there's a huge segment of the, of the uh, American population and the global population that, that wants to see that, that wants to see another point of view. So I'm I'm thrilled for the dude's success, and uh, I I honestly believe he's just getting started. 
I heard a talk show, I think, it was, I think it was Andrew Clavin that you were speaking with a few years ago, and you mentioned that you were trying to pitch a late night show. And I don't even think it was a conservative one, a version. It was more fair and balanced. You were maybe kind of hitting both sides and you ran into a brick wall. Uh, and I, do you think that you would run into that same brick wall today, even given Gutfeld's success? Absolutely. And dude, and, the, and this is why I started that show tonight. Uh, I was out it, in Hollywood and with a super powerful uh, producing partner, just a great dude. And we had a an awesome pitch and our agents over at UTA were literally counting their money. They're <laughs> like, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a bidding war for this because everyone, everyone in Hollywood, everyone on planet Earth realizes there's a huge segment of the American population that, that doesn't have much to watch. It's just half know? the country. And, that's all. It's just a small sliver. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I, I guess that's what that's what uh, what this dude said when he started Fox News. I'm going to just start I'm going to start a program for <laughs> a demographic called <laughs> half the country. So. The, the terrifying thing from this, uh, our pitch was really warmly accepted. These, these executives, they were cracking up in the meetings, which is always great. And they're like, Michael, we love you. And, you know, my producing partner, they're like, you're, you're awesome. This show would be a huge hit. We would make a ton of money. Unfortunately, we can't afford to, to look as, as though we're, um, uh, like we're, we're leaning right. We can't afford to look like, like they're comforting the enemy. <laughs> and so they knew they would make a big giant piles of money. They knew it would be wildly successful, but po the, the politics of it were more important. And, and I never thought I would see that in my life, especially in, in Hollywood. Yeah. And you know, uh, and I, I, I've been using this phrase lately that it's show business, but with an asterisk, because they do leave yes. piles of money on the table quite often, uh, you know, not yeah. always, but but often enough where you think, "Wow, that's that's odd." It's and it's really so when when politics because and this this show was not it was not mean it was hitting it was very even handed it wasn't mean spirited it wasn't and that's the only thing that bummed me out it wasn't like dangerous mm -hmm. uh, as much as I would like it to be you know you want to be edgy and have some fun but Hollywood is like. Well, if someone on the right were really funny, they'd have a show. If they were really talented, they'd be famous. And they they they're just not gonna they're never gonna let that happen. They're just never gonna let it happen. So it, it's like with with uh with with parlor and with truth social, Twitter won't let the people on the right play. So you start your own. And that's what we've done with that show tonight. Yeah. It, I, it's insane. You have to find your own servers. You can't be associated with Amazon because they'll unplug you. But we've created a uh, a platform where we can't be unplugged. We can't be censored. We can tell the jokes that we want to tell. We can do the skits that we want to do, and no one can touch us. And uh, and and now that we're we're out and we're making new content and just going full tilt boogie, I think it's going to shock a lot of people, which I cannot wait. And it sounds like you kind of future-proof the show and your your work to for to avoid that parlor situation where they were shut down about a year it's, or so ago. It's a dude. I never thought I'd have to do this, <laughs> but like, as a you know, I've written on a, my fair share of TV shows, and people would always go, "Hey, you know, Saturday Night Live is just so political now. We should do an answer show. Somebody should do an answer show." And then everybody thinks, 
you know, you look around at what's going on in politics, they go, oh, it just writes itself. You could do a skit on this. You could do a skit on that. And you, I agree. Yeah, you hmm. could do a skit on a lot of those things. However, uh, you need actors. You need to light it. You need to have cameras. You need to have sound. You need to have an audience. You need a construction team. You need wardrobe. You need makeup. You need a platform to put it on because you're not going to sell it anywhere. So this was really a long time in the making. And, you know, me and my buddies, we really had to carve out. It, it, I never thought I'd be talking to people. Okay, so I need I need servers and I, they have to be mm -hmm. independent. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just talk about starting from zero. It was crazy. We did a show in Nashville, kind of like a, a proof of concept. And the response was insane. It was insane. And now we do these live shows on Long Island and we stream them uh, for, for the viewers. And we uh, it's the, the people, the live audience. We, we have to turn people away whenever we announce, OK, we're taping a show. They come out in droves and it's just so exciting, dude. That's, it's great to hear. And it, it's, I think it's what people don't realize is the, is the complexity of, oh, just make an alternative, just do X while they're doing Y. You yeah. just really gave an insight into the infrastructure that's necessary to make that happen. And you don't just snap your fingers and have that happen overnight. It takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication. Dig it. And it sounds like you've got the foresight, you know, Michael, you've been one of the few people who have been, uh, I guess, genuinely brave in this community where you're right of center, you're not hiding it, you still work, you've worked in traditional Hollywood, you've made your own Hollywood. I'm starting to hear stories from people who are newer to the game, newer to the fight. And what they're telling me is once you go through it, once you don't back down, once you stay true to your principles, it is not only liberating, but there's success at the end of that 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 trip well, are you that, finding that i mean do you have other stories like that i mean i think what you're saying is is sort of proof positive of that as well but just i want to get your reaction to that because i, I talked to a, a musician just a, in a recent episode and he he talked about you know hitting that wall getting canceled finding relationships just disintegrating because he made some protest songs against the biden administration but then things open up in a way tyler fisher is another example but any uh, added thoughts about that well, there needs to be more success. There needs to be more. I was, there's nowhere near enough. It's, it's for people, especially in the, the in creative endeavors and artistic endeavors and cultural endeavors, it, it really, and I don't want to stop my feet here, but like Nick Searcy, uh, you know, that dude, he's been out there leading with his chin and I got <laughs> nothing but respect for that dude. He's one of the cast members on that show tonight. Uh, but but he and I were talking the other day. It's like, wow, you, you make a film or you, you make a TV show and, and you would think that people on the right would just automatically flock to it. But but still, it's it's funny. Like everybody seems to be has, has like this stand back. Well, let's wait and see if this is popular. Mm -hmm. If it's popular, I'll jump on. And I'm telling people right now, when you're when you're at such a disadvantage and every creative endeavor you are on the right it has to start all over <clears throat> everybody who's who's like recorded an album or recorded a song or, or done anything they need a huge round of applause and stop what you're doing in your busy day and go at least listen or watch and and think about trying to support them just for the for the act of it's i was really struck the other day <laughs> breitbart breitbart 
And they did it at CPAC too. They had this big uh, love fest for Andrew Breitbart, who deserves it, who deserves it. The guy, he got it. And, and uh, oh, Andrew was so this, and Andrew was so that. Well, you know, Andrew was saying that uh, politics is downstream from pop culture. So you have to, whoever is doing the culture, you need cultural heroes. You need cultural successes, and it'll lead to more success. So I'm of the bandwagon, like, instead of sitting around and talking about how wonderful Andrew Breitbart was, which he was, why don't you support someone who's, who's, who's made a movie? like Nick Searcy or someone who's making a TV show like that show tonight. You you also have to participate. You can't just sit back and wait for it to automatically change. You got to give these things a try. Hey, if it's not funny, don't watch. But I'm telling you what, it's funny. You're going to want to watch. You bring up a depressing and interesting point because I feel like in the conservative circles, a lot of times there are emerging artists who don't get the love from the bigger websites, the bigger platforms, because they're not established yet. Well, how do they get established? How do they get that yes. popularity? How do they kind of get the, the wind at their back? Well, because they get some publicity that they wouldn't get in traditional Hollywood. You know, look at Tom McDonald as he is a white rapper with the worst name in hip hop history, and he's doing it all on his own. But I don't think he gets a lot of support from right of center platforms and websites he really is a one-man operation and he's thriving but wouldn't it be great if he if he had feature stories at breitbart at the Federalist, at all these different platforms yes. again and again and again because they should be celebrating what he's doing but i don't there may be limited uh, uh you know uh, uh, attempts at this but I, it's certainly not full scale and it certainly apl- applies to what you're doing and other projects and nick as well it, it just drives me crazy. And I wish my platforms were bigger, but I'm, I'm always open to that. I have people I've never heard of. I've had people who are doing crowdfunding campaigns. And all I say is, come on my site, write an op-ed. I will happily promote you. And I just wish yes. more people were doing that. It's, it's very frustrating. But I do think that it, it there is sort of a, a movement on the right where that the Andrew Breitbart message is finally percolating. What you've been saying, what Andrew clavin has been saying, it's starting to get through. But boy, it's taken a long time and there's still more work to be done. So I, I really appreciate right. the kind of work you're doing. But it, dude, it's it's like what you're doing on your site. And, and I'm trying to do it at theloftestparty.com as well. Like I was, I was meeting people at CPAC and they're like, oh, I just wrote this book. It's fiction. It's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, send me a link. Yeah, yeah. I will put it. I will put it up on the site. I, I've just got, you know, and no, I'm not going to have time to read it. But I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm going to have to trust that there's no so weird psycho message at the <laughs> end of it. But I, I just want to. Anybody who's done something, I want to try to support them. And like it, Hollywood, it's it's too funny. It, it kind of mirrors the conversation that we were having earlier with. Uh, you know, go start your own. So you have to buy your own servers and make sure they're independent. Hollywood, the Hollywood machine has been up and running since the, the 1920s. And the studios would just kind of say, okay, here's our next star. It's a young man by the name of John Wayne. So John Wayne's going to be our next young star. And we're going to get that newspaper and that newspaper and that newspaper to write articles about him, about how, how great he is and how America loves him. And, you know, they could create that mystique overnight. And they've been doing that with huge success for a long, long time. And so people on the right, I guess, were, were new to the ball game, And there is no real, like, studio system or, or apparatus. So we're just kind of building it as we go. 
but the people who get it like like yourself and Claven and me and a handful of others uh i i guess we're building the infrastructure we'll yeah. be the ones we'll be the king makers <laughs> Well, I think the secret sauce, the one thing we have in common that we have over the over the, the sort of the traditional Hollywood is there's a hunger for this. There's an appetite. There's a, a longing for the kind of content that we're talking about. And that's why when you put out of that show tonight, because th- then people line up because they don't have it anywhere else. And even though you do, you may be building the infrastructure on the fly and not have all the sort of institutional benefits it's still drawing a crowd. Hey, Michael, before we let you go, you, you mentioned sort of the optimism you have, but it, maybe I, maybe it's not the best way to end on a negative note, but what, what kind of keeps you up at night when you look at the culture at large? Because I, I find some sleepless nights in my life, but uh, you know, you're a happy person, you're kind of a happy warrior in the Breitbart tradition, but are there still things, culturally speaking, that, that give, you, give you pause, that make you kind of wonder about what's, what 2022 is going to look like? I'm always my big thing is is like we're gonna run out of time. We're gonna run out of time. When you think about like the millennials and their mindset and you know the generation behind them of what they put importance on and and how they believe the world operates. And like right now you've got you know uh, Putin and the Ukraine, and it's like with it's the school system and it's the culture and and how. You know, everything is woke now. And if it's not overtly woke, there's a subtle wokeness to it. And so we got to we gotta get really loud really fast because the world isn't going to hug it out. There's still people who are capable of really horrible acts. And when we're over here having arguments about uh, what kind of nail polish the people in our <laughs> army are going to allow to use. And, oh, should I wear a mask? Is this the right kind of mask? And no one seems to be upset that China unleashed a virus that, that killed 7 million people. It's like priorities, you guys, <laughs> priorities. Yeah. So we got, we got to get going. We got to get loud. We got to be funny. We've got to be entertaining. We got to put a lot of, and, and it, it just can't be like drum beat the message, the message, and they're ruining America. Just that there's enough of that negative, you know, wake up energy. We need, we need optimistic, fun, loving, I love life. Uh, heroes and 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 it's uh i just worried that we're gonna run out of time i yeah. can't this they, these poor kids that had to wear these masks for two years well that breaks my heart I, yeah I i've got two of them, them that's that's uh it's i can't even i can't even think about it they've been, they've been unleashed this week uh here in the denver area but it's it's been awful but i think one of the most critical ways to fight back and you're doing it so well is to be funny and uplifting and positive and just the joy of freedom. And I think that's our best weapon and our best hope, but you bring it, man. Michael, thank you for joining right on Hollywood. Of course, please visit the loftusparty.com for a huge blast of pop culture, political insights, and some serious happiness too. And then of course you'll find the loftus party podcast there. And now we've got that show tonight. You can find it at that show tonight.com for what Saturday night live used to be cutting irreverent. And of course, funny, you're going to laugh and laugh a lot. Michael, thanks for joining the show and all the best. Oh, thanks for having me on, buddy. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank you for listening to Ride on Hollywood, part of the Just the News podcasting family. Of course, as you may know, my new book, Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul, is available right now. I've been signing the book for several people lately, according to my mom, who, well, she just turned 80, so the least I can do is sign my own book for my own mom. And my biggest fan in Colorado, who I met recently, that was a trip. She is a sweet, wonderful lady, and uh, she really took me by surprise. I was uh, doing a radio appearance live in studio, and she swooped in and put the book in right in front of my face and gave me a quick hello. So that was that was very sweet. But uh, my main hope, besides a few uh, personal signings, is that enough people read it. And boy, I would love if some people within the Hollywood community did as well. I think those are the ones who really needed to read it the most, take some notes, and understand we have to start fighting back against this woke mob now. That would do my heart proud. Now, next week, we've got a really cool interview. It's a with someone who's smart, he's thoughtful, and he's very liberal. He's a film critic. He's been doing this for quite some time. We've kind of jousted in the past, uh, agreeably so. We do it again in this conversation. And we hit on some subjects I don't think get discussed very often on podcasts in general. I think you're going to be surprised by what you, by what you hear in those conversations. But for now, have a great week. We'll do it all again next time. Thanks for listening to the Right on Hollywood podcast, part of the Just the News Network. We'd love to hear from you about the show. You can email Christian at HollywoodandToto.com. And please don't forget to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews make our day. But just speak from the heart. Free speech matters more than ever. <laughs>